cup of coffee and stop to comb and out my hair. I drink 40 cups of coffee. 40 cups of coffee. 40 cups of coffee waiting for you to come home. Good morning, Barcelona. You're listening to Coffee and Conversation with me, Joanna. On English Radio Wednesday, on Radio Canal Barcelona, 106.9 FM. What a day we're having. It's absolutely chucking it down. But it is kind of apt, as I feel the skies are crying, because I've got some big news to share with you. Breaking news, in fact. Great news, but also sad news. This will, in fact, be my last coffee and conversation with Erika B Radio in Barcelona. But it's for a very good reason. I'm going to be relocating myself and my business to the motherland, Portugal. As you know, I'm English on my father's side and Portuguese on my mother's. And my family's all based in Portugal, except my daddy, who's in France. So it really is a case of going home. Now, some opportunities are too good to be missed, and this is one of them. I'm super excited, but I am so sad to leave this incredible city and mostly my show here at RKV. I want to thank everyone at Radio Canal Barcelona and English Radio for these past months. I've had so much fun doing my show and cannot thank them enough for the opportunity. To my guests, I've loved talking with you all. And thank you for being so open and honest, and in some cases, musical. <laughs> to Gerard, my amazing technician, I'll miss pulling faces at you and all the laughs that we have. <laughs> that was a kiss to him, by the way. <laughs> Strange noise. And also to Virgil for believing me and letting this motor mouth get on the mic and do her thing. <laughs> and today, to help me do my thing, one of my great friends and soon-to-be business bestie has flown in from Lisbon through the storms and the rain <laughs> to be here today. Now, you know that in my show, I love to talk with people who are doing great things out there, but who also have faced adversities and obstacles in life and turned around to them and said... Hell no. <laughs> Michael is just one of those people. So, welcome to the show, thank Michael Heron. <laughs> Hello, Joanna. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for flying in through the uh, the storms and the rain this morning. Yeah, it could have been better weather. Could have been. Mm. Could have been. Sorry about that. But, you know, I think everyone's just sad that this is my last show. So, you know, you have to respect yeah. that emotion. It's like God is crying. God is crying. Yeah. yeah. I feel it. <laughs> Now, look, my first question is very important. Okay. How do you like your coffee? Wow, that is a good question. Well, I've been influenced by the fact that I've lived in Portugal for the last four years. And as you know, the Portuguese love espresso, double espresso, very strong. Mm -hmm. No sugar, no milk, just, yeah, yeah. strong okay. to the point. So you heard yeah. it, strong to the point, <laughs> does its job. Exactly. We like that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Now, today's music, we've picked a few songs Are yours, a few songs of mine, yep. and they're kind of music that really means something to each of us. And yes. sometimes music that gets us through those kind of tough times. Yes. So before we get stuck into some conversation, I'm going to start off with my go to song when I need to give myself a little lady kick up the backside. Let's see if you agree. When you can wear what you feel, what do you want? Send me on my way. Cause I 
was an all-time favourite of mine by Jennifer Hudson, all dressed up in love and as correctly identified by Michael. Oh no, you're stitching me up big time now. <laughs> From the movie Sex and the City, is that one of your favourite? Yeah, it's an all-time favourite. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Can't believe you stitched me up like that. <laughs> what are friends for? Yeah, exactly. Now, you, Michael. Yes. They're not like the average man. Okay. <laughs> uh, where, in- where, where are you going with this, Jan? <laughs> In many ways, not just in your business acumen, which we'll get on to, okay. um, but, you know, I admire you for, for a lot of things, as we know. Oh, that's but very kind. tell us, how life started out for you? Wow. Well, that's a very expansive question. I know. But, um, in, in a nutshell, I was born in Norwich in the UK to an Argentine mother and a British father. Uh, my mother from Buenos Aires, my father from London, um, an only child. And um, I guess I always felt like I never really belonged anywhere specifically mm-hmm. because having, you know, such di- diverse cultural influences from growing up. So I'd never quite feel at home in, in the UK. And then when we'd spend time visiting my mother's family in Madrid, who they all, they all relocated from, from Argentina in the 60s. 
uh, never never really felt uh, completely at home there either. So I always had this urge to explore and travel. And I think that from a very young age gave me the motivation to want to always challenge myself and never stay in the same place for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's made me who, who I am. Um, and I've grown into that. I think when I was younger, I struggled with it a bit because... Um, was often uh, the outsider mm-hmm. um, because if you go to a um, an independent school in Norwich, there's not many <laughs> of you like that, I guess. Um, but now, you know, really, really proud of, of where I'm from and, 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 you know, how things have gone. I mean, which nationality would you, do you identify more <clears throat> with or do you? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I think, um, well, from what people tell me, they say that I can be very um, English in terms of my, uh, sense of humor because it's quite quite yeah. dry um but i think the argentine com- comes out of me in terms of being you know very passionate very warm mm-hmm. uh friendly um affectionate um obviously that's not something that uh doesn't exist with people from the uk but it's not <laughs> not as not as common no, it's the not, same it's way well, well yeah. the same with sort of the the english portuguese and yes you know, it, it's, yes, growing up and, and spending most of my grown up and working life in London, but spending all the holidays with the family yeah. and sort of having all those languages to, to start with. And, you know, that I, too, you know, I say I'm Portuguese and I'm much more European, but God, you know, the sarcasm, the yeah. the humor, you know, that that British thing is, is there. And it, it's it's taken me quite a while to be proud of it, I think. Yes. But it's it's sometimes I think you find your feet you know, it, I, I felt the same, and I've, I've said it before, you know, go, growing up in London, I, rem- I remember at school, um, I would go in every day and, and sort of kiss everyone on the cheek twice because mm. that's what you do in Portugal. Yeah. And that's what we just always did. And I remember best friends when I was 11 telling me that people thought it was really strange, so not to yeah. kiss people. And I yeah. remember going home being so sad about it. But then five years later, everyone was like, morning, darling, mwah, mwah, morning. And, you know, as the UK became more European, it sort of fitted in more, but yes. I felt that, and others like, you know, girlfriends that, that they would see a boy and run in the opposite direction. And I'd be like, what? Like they're normal. They're <laughs> What's so weird about them? You know, I yeah, just, I yeah. didn't get it. I didn't get this sort of shy cowering in the corner thing because in Portugal, you know, you're all thrown together and, and you just don't think anything of it. I mean, were you in an all boys school or? Yeah, it was well, it was all boys up until sixth form, and then in sixth form there were there were girls, but there were only about twenty eight girls, oh God, poor girls. Yeah. <laughs> or, or lucky girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that was definitely. Um, I mean, there were you know we had my group of friends anyway. We had a lot of um, of, of female friends at the time, so <clears throat> that wasn't as much of an issue. But I think definitely. Um, there was a big, uh, big change when you then go to university after mm-hmm. being in that kind of, you know, because Norwich is a small city, fishbowl. Um, no one really goes to Norwich um, <laughs> unless they're, you know, going there. It's not yeah. on the way to anywhere. It's sort of geographically isolated. Uh, but, you know, it's a great place. I'm proud, proud to say that I'm from there. So. Well, I mean, you spoke Spanish since... Did you, were you taught English and Spanish at the same time? Or? Yes, yeah. yes. So I was brought up uh, bilingual. Um, and again, it was something that I would actually hide when I was younger, I would mm-hmm. feel a bit embarrassed about it. And then um, as you get older, you feel proud of it. Um, so I think it's just when you're at a certain age at school, and I think this is quite unique to the UK schooling system. I don't see that when I talk to friends of mine from other countries, is that you have to deal with, um, you know, banter, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which can be on the verge of bullying, but mm-hmm. there's a fine line between between the two. So you develop a thick skin and anything that 
is different is immediately honed in on and, and, and attacked on. And obviously if you speaking Spanish to your mum when she's picking you up from school, then that opens up um, a lot of uh, banter. Yeah. Um, and then as you get older, you deal with it better and then it becomes something that, you, you know, you, you wear it as a badge of honour. Well, you wish you could say to the little one, you know, just going like, yeah, I do speak it and you don't. I mean, did you have, yeah. when, when I was at school, I, I remember my parents were told, because um, I was taught English, pre- uh, Portuguese and French at the same time. Yes. And uh, I was told at school, uh, that my parents were told, they said, um, no, you need to speak to Joanna only in English. She's going to, grow up very confused mm. <laughs> and my parents i think my mother was just like mm-hmm, no and i mean the thing is i speak those languages yeah. the the accent is barely there it's something yeah. that i've done and i thank god that i was that they carried on and did that but at that time in school it was seen as it wasn't seen as sort of the thing to do you know it was like later on when we learned french i mean i could speak french and i remember the teacher giving me a hard time because I spoke better than her. Yeah, must have been embarrassing for her. <laughs> exactly. And that it's funny how things have changed, but yeah. when you do grow up like that, and well, I mean, I've got a daddy who was born pure English, but born in Buenos Aires in Argentina. Yeah. So during the Falklands War, I just decided to go around telling everyone I was from Argentina. Yeah. And then I was Argentine and I had to be told like maybe it was not the best thing to yeah. say at a well, British school. This, this was an interesting one for me, right? So imagine growing up in the 80s with a British father, Argentine mother. And my parents used to, you know, joke around with it a lot. They would say, you know, my mother would say to me, las Malvinas son, and I'd say Argentinas. Mm-hmm. And then my father would say the Falklands are, and I'd, I'd have to say British, <laughs> not having a clue what either, you know, what either was, what, what, what was going on. Because I was, you know, three at the time, I think. So, <laughs> But it's those things you sort of look back on and... and you know, and I remember my father did this British week in Buenos Aires and it was sort of bringing, you know, the nations closer together. But I remember yeah. being in Buenos Aires and seeing things about sort of English go hover and it was, it just didn't compute mm. as, you know, now you look on it. Mm. Um, but it was this, this thing that, I mean, you experienced it because you had, you had both sides there. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting what you were saying about, about the, the way that education was a bit different back in the day and that, um, we weren't as uh, advanced in understanding language learning in, in the school system. Mm-hmm. And I was reading something the other day that was saying that, um, uh, you know, a young child up to the age of three can learn up to 24 different languages at the same time. So when you hear that common misconception of, oh, you're going to confuse your, your child by teaching them lots mm-hmm. of languages at the same time, it's rubbish, absolute nonsense. The more, the more the better. It will take them a little bit longer, but, you know. It's, it's a great asset. So have. your son, Daniel. Yes. Shout out to Daniel yes. and to Roxy as well. Yes, yes. Um, what, are you, what, what are you guys teaching him? Yeah, so he's learning, obviously, he, I speak to him in English and then Roxy speaks to him in Spanish and then he speaks Portuguese at, at nursery. Oh, fantastic. So he's doing all three. And um, he speaks English the least, um, but he understands everything I say. What uh, accent does he have in English? Um not really, not really. Well, it depends on the word, what he says. Some words he'll say it with quite a thick Portuguese or Spanish accent. Um, and then other words he'll say it in a really English way. Um, but, um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, but, and it's not, it's not, um, it's not too much work either. It's just, the, the hardest thing is just remembering to speak in that language consistently. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll catch myself speaking in Spanish or even in Portuguese, you know, by, by accident, by, by sort of default. But, um, yeah, it will, it will pay off. Will pay I think off. it's the best thing to do because I was, when I was just in France now, I'd said, I realised when I speak French and, and Portuguese, and we were talking about this, because I I learned to speak 
those three at the same time. And thank you again, parents. Um, but you're learning all these sounds. So yeah. it, it's kind of like a muscle. You, you, yes. Your mouth is an athlete, a, a, a sound athlete. Yes. And so they stay there. So while, you know, I don't speak French for ages, then I go to France to see dad and his wife. And, you know, my, my accent is still there. The vocab takes a day or two to come back. Mm. But, but then when I'm speaking Spanish and while, <laughs> I speak it perfectly. No, you know, no, no, I speak Spanish really well, but yeah. I feel like a foreigner. I still have this, I have this accent and it doesn't, it feels, it doesn't feel as at home. And when people say, you know, do you think when you're speaking in one language, what language do you think in? It's like, well, I, I just think mm. I don't yeah. identify a language. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And for me, it's weird being in Portugal because obviously, you know, I, you know, Portuguese, I can speak it, but I probably have well, harder time than you do with, with Spanish. And then the weird thing about living in Portugal and speaking Portuguese uh, with Portuguese people is that because I speak it with a very thick Spanish accent, they mm -hmm. automatically think I'm Spanish and start to talk to me in Spanish. <laughs> um, and, I'm, and I'm like, well, why, why are you talking to me in Spanish? I'm English. I'm talking to you in Portuguese. Just but you have. Me, yeah, you have we're going to gonna have to kick that accent yeah, you're gonna have to, help to me the, to the curve. You're going to have to help me. Yeah, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> we'll work on that. But yeah, before please. we work on that, um, we're going to move to uh, your first go-to song now tell us why why this why this song why did you pick this song which which one is oh it? sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> first of all you've got to guess the song <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's going to be pick up the pieces by average white band okay, now okay okay what's what's the reasoning behind this well, one first of all it's a great song uh, mm -hmm. it's a fantastic song um the 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 band i think you know when you understand who they are they're you know basically a, a group of, of scottish guys so the mm -hmm. fact they've called themselves average white band i think is amazing tongue-in-cheek tongue-in-cheek um and it's a great song and you know i think it symbolizes especially you know the lyrics with, with pick up the pieces that sometimes in life we do have to pick up the pieces uh things can go wrong but it's okay and we all have to do it at some point and i think this song's a great reminder that when times are good enjoy them and when times are bad don't worry it will all be okay there we go wise words and let's listen to the song
that was one of Michael's songs, Pick Up the Pieces, by the average white band. I wonder if they ever did pick up the pieces. <laughs> does one ever, or does one just yeah. pick up the pieces? Kind the of, ones that matter, right? Yeah, put, yeah. Them, put them together and then kind of throw them, yeah. throw, throw them around again. Yeah. So you and I, we both, well, we, we studied and, and then we started our working life in London. We did, we did. We did. Now, I think, you know, when you, when you look at a, the English working style, hmm. I mean, something we were talking about in the break, you know, because we then, I mean, to give background to everyone, we then worked in, we actually met working in Madrid for a magazine Iberian Lawyer together. Um, and then Michael moved to Portugal and I came to Barcelona. So that's sort of a little, a little background. Yeah. But, you know, the English style of working and that's something, you know, you, you go in, you know, you get your head down. Yeah. Uh, you have your sandwich at lunch or at your desk at your desk for 10 minutes for 10 minutes yeah. you might go out and get a starbucks come back and yeah. then you get your head down you yeah. work yeah. and then, and you, then leave. you leave exactly and then you go to happy hour yeah <laughs> and if it's a friday standard in london anyway you go out with your work colleagues on yes. a friday evening yeah for at least one or two drinks mm-hmm. obviously those that have you know commitments don't stay out the ones that don't tend to stay out until pretty late well it was i mean when where did you work so let, let's yeah. take it you know when you were working yeah so my my first proper job in london was uh, working for bloomberg mm-hmm. um and their office at the time was in moorgate so in in the city do you realize that we one of my law firms was in moorgate really that would have been so funny that would have been very funny business besties meant to be exactly. <laughs> starting in the right place exactly okay yeah and um very, very good company to work for when you're starting your career because mm-hmm. they have a very good um, graduate program. They teach you a lot about, you know, finance and how the world works in that sense. And then I ended up working in sales there. Actually, my, my main client was Lehman Brothers before they before they went bankrupt. So, uh, yeah, sorry. That wasn't about, so, to you. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was a great experience. I mean, the coach, I guess... What was interesting about it is that working for an American company in London was very different. The mm-hmm. culture was very, and I realised that when I left and went to work for a UK. How so? Very different. Just um, well, to give you an idea, they used to have something at the time called movers and shakers, which was, that is sorry, that's actually yeah. the name of the program that we had uh, just before on English oh, really? radio. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's except, except it's all ladies, okay. lady mover and shakers. Okay, okay, so, okay. So, so what maybe, was it's an, maybe it's an American um, sort of phrase, and I don't. But um, yeah, so basically. Uh, when um, new um, when people were promoted from typically from sort of analyst to salesperson, that was the sort of the the the, the, the carrot they would dangle in front of you. Um, they would get everyone in the company together on a Friday, typically, typically, and um, announce who was getting promoted, and then mm-hmm. they all have to sort of stand up in front of everyone, and it was all very sort of positive um, and great. But, you know, something like that would never happen <laughs> in the UK, UK, you know, not, 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 not normally anyway. Um, but what's great is I think that um, having that initial start to my career um, in that environment, even though at the time I was probably a little bit cynic, cynical about it, thinking mm-hmm. this is a bit over the top, a bit too much, whatever, actually now... I kind of can, can appreciate it and think that, you know, it's actually a great way, especially when you work in, in sales because you have to be really upbeat, really positive, really happy because people buy from people that are happy. If you mm-hmm. turn up at a meeting and you've got, you know, really sad face and, and you know, you're moody or whatever, then no, no one's going to buy from you. So when you're happy, you're selling and ironically, you're 
you're happy because you're selling as well. Yeah. So it can well, be you, a vicious circle when you can't, when you're not selling, you become you become miserable. So it's um, it's it's uh, it's a it's an interesting um, game. Well, I think the, the positivity and, and things you say. I mean, it, it you know when I, when I was working either as a lawyer or then as a as sort of editor. Yes. That sometimes you're working and 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 you do these things and it's not that. It's not that we need people to go, oh, my God, well done, you're amazing. But, mm. you know, when you do have people rallying around or they go, God, I really like that, or, you know, yay, that was great. These little things kind of build you up inside. And yes. having having the positivity and, and, and telling by your voice that you're happy or yes. working with colleagues that, you know, you congratulate them on their successes, they on yours. Yes. That works for everybody. But I think that yes. there can be sometimes this culture of – you don't want to congratulate the other person because there's that competitive thing. Yeah, and this another another uh, shout out to Bloomberg as well. Something that they do very differently, which I think works. And having worked in other companies that um, you know don't have this culture, I've really noticed a difference. And that is that the salespeople at Bloomberg don't get paid uh, commission for how much they sell. It's more focused on the contribution to the team and what you do for the team. Whereas when you work in other sales-driven companies, you're paid based on how much you sell and there's a huge culture of com- being competitive mm-hmm. and, um, you know, secretly being happy when you're, when you're uh, sort of colleagues selling more than you, but secretly wanting to, you know, sort of die inside a little, a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, seeing the, 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 the cars that they're driving and that sort of thing, cause they're, they're selling more than you. So, um, I think yeah. that, you know, the big thing at the moment, everywhere is community over competition. I think it's when yes. people band together Yes, and actually when you, when you congratulate others on their successes and you don't see it as it being your failing, you just, exactly. you know, they're you use it as motivation. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I'm, I'm a copywriter and there's some incredible ones out there. There's uh, there's one wild spark copy. She's in Australia. Now this chick is, she's amazing. And you hold your hands up and you go, you know, you see people trying to emulate her and it's like, you can't, you yeah. know, and, and the more you sort of hold, hold someone up you know it's like they she's found something she's incredible Mm. the way she talks and and the words she uses and she'll know exactly what i mean um and you just you say yeah well done yeah you know and i'll do things my way and because i'm not doing them your way and it's different types of successes but that i really enjoy it's it's that the competitive thing that you see sort of can tear people down yes it can, it can. But, you know, I think competition is really is really important. Health, um, healthy competition, yes. that's it. Yes, yes, I think it's important. Think so after important. Bloomberg, where? Yeah, so after that, um, I was, again, still working in sales, but changed a bit. I was working for a, um, a film production company, and we were making documentary films about uh, business owners that was then going on to the Telegraph Business Club website. That was a really interesting time. And I think that's where I first sort of started to think about having my own project, you know, having, mm-hmm. my, having my own business, because I would spend all day talking to CEOs and asking them their story, because that would then determine whether we would make the the the, the, the documentary or not. And um, that was really inspiring just to hear all these stories of different... Um, there's one I'll never forget. There was a guy and um, he... Uh, fell out massively with his with his company i think they there was sort of a management buyout or something and he he wasn't involved and he said to me that he got home and said to his wife uh, i'm never working for anyone else ever again and that was sort of his motivation to uh to do that and that 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 story has always stuck with me and i think there is a defining moment when you you realize that you do want to do something on your own and, and you know take a bit of a take a bit of a risk so it's interesting how life how life turns out and i think if i hadn't worked for that production company i might not be 
where, where, where you I are now. now. Yeah. I think you're right that there is a moment um, that... Well, I think that there's a moment where you realize that you see these other people creating these incredible things. Yes. You know, and we all try and find a little lot in life and what we can do, you know, and, and you think, well, I'm not an artist, I'm not this, but, you know, mm. you find your little niche. Yes. But then you think, I want to create something that, that's mine, that's, yes. that's me. And, you know, you sort of think, you know, that question, where do you want to be in five, ten years' time or this? And you think, well, you know, I want to be having ownership of the things I'm doing work-wise. You know, yes. I, I want to be that point person. I want to be – and it's okay to go smaller. You know, rather – I think a lot of people love working for the big enterprises, et cetera. Um, it's quite good. Being smaller, there's a flexibility to what you can and yes. can't do. There's no can't do. It's all can do. It's just a question yes. of – Yes. I think it's also, it's also good if you've got the experience of having worked for a massive company Absolutely. and then a small company as well because the massive company, you realize how it's just all about process mm -hmm. and just everything works. So it does mean that often – and this is where maybe at Bloomberg I didn't uh, fit in as well as I'd have liked because they do – you know, naturally, if everything's working well, they want people to follow the status quo. Mm -hmm. So a certain robotic type of person will do well. Not that all the people who do well at Bloomberg are robots. I don't mean that at all because uh, I've still got friends who work at the company. So <laughs> no, no, but I, I do know it. what you mean. It, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, and then when you work for a smaller company, you then learn more about the how important the you know cash flow is, mm -hmm. how important it is to be operationally sound. Um, and those are the skills. You can sort of combine both. And then, as you said, if you find something that you can – create into a business for yourself and put your mark on it um then you know all you have to do is just do it mm -hmm. and if you can find a good uh, mentor as well i think that helps just someone that can give you good advice from time to time um and yeah just be prepared uh, at some point that things aren't going to go that well maybe <laughs> and that's well, okay <laughs> well, i mean um we well, I moved to Spain first, and then yep. uh, and then you came over as well, which is fantastic. Yes. And we yes. met, and we were working yes. in a in a small, close but finely oiled machine team at Iberian Lawyer. Now, I don't know when I moved. I'd always worked in London. I did some. I actually worked in because you, you started as a solicitor, right? I started as a solicitor, yep. and I actually did some work experience at a law firm, Bacon McKenzie in Buenos Aires. Oh wow! Okay, okay, um, and. I remember that was my first taste of kind of l Latin working mm -hmm. in the sense that, as we said, you know, in England, you go in, you know, nine o'clock, head yeah. down, sandwich, lunch, that must work be very out. Different to, this was, well, yeah. this was a while ago, should we say. Mm. And I remember walking in and I was given a cubicle and I was sitting there and uh, I was sort of smelling and I was like, I smell fresh coffee, of course. I, thought, I also smell cigarettes. So I looked at the cubicle next to me and there was a guy there with a coffee, a plate of cakes, and he was smoking. Amazing. And I said, what, what, what? And he said, cakes and coffee over there. And yeah, you can smoke. And I just remember sitting there going, this is the best place to work <laughs> in the history of the world. I'm never leaving and everyone's Argentine and it's amazing. And it was just I wouldn't the culture that sort of every, you know, hour would be like, you know, or you turn up, you go to a, a meeting with the partners and... Everybody would be lighting up a cigarette, having a coffee. And I, yeah. I mean, everyone did incredible business, but I just remember coming back and then going into London law offices and being like, oh, this is, this is not quite the same. Although we did yeah. in London law offices when it was the World Cup. 
that's when everything would stop and the partners would get a boardroom yeah. and yeah. they would put, you know, sandwiches in this and we'd all watch the World Cup. And I was like, you know, I love that's that good. British thing that if it comes to football, yeah. and we all know I'm a big uh, Barcelona yeah. fan. Yeah, whoops. Um, <clears throat> whoops. Whoops. <laughs> get out of my studio. <laughs> Huge Barca fan. And uh, uh, yeah, so football was the one thing. Now, before we go on, it's going to be my second song. And uh, this is what sometimes <laughs> you just need a little samba to get you going. Yeah. You know I love to dance. Yeah. So here's Ugly Duckling with just a little samba. This is just a little summer With all the typical drama Feel the rhythm of the conga This is just a little summer Man, I'm living grandiose, puffing on an ambassador, 84, kill the bulls like a matador, flash the cat, make my album cover shinier, oh, my head spinning like a discus, and if this is just a little samba, then I'm straight, with a seven course meal on my plate, I put my leftovers in the doggy bag, I got moves like Mr. Miyagi had, with the wax off, wax on, I play you like Zack song, girls love my song, sunbathing on the back lawn, you rock marvelous, come on young lady, get in the car with us, superstar deluxe, hey. I'm Always animated cause my game's so tight that I keep it laminated. Well, if that's true, why you living with your mama? Shh, it's just a little samba. This is just a little samba. With all the typical drama. Feel the rhythm of the conga. This is just a little samba. I make all the money. No, you don't. I get all the girls. No, you don't. I put a girl on fools. No, you don't. Uh, no, no, you don't. don't. No, you don't. You might spot me in Versace suits. When I'm at award shows, paparazzi shoot. I own a fly home, four-car garage with rides for me and my entourage. Hold up, I got an email. It's a female. Girls pressing on me like a lean nail. I make the hits that you hear on the jukebox. So, Chicks come hotter than Arizona rooftops. I got this one, she's a playmate. When I met her, she was looking at my gold dizzy nameplate. But I had to vacate. I said, I'm gonna miss our date cause my plane's late. Plane? Yeah, I own a plane and I also bought a yacht. So I scuba in Bermuda when the weather gets hot and I travel a lot. Then why you living with your mama? Man, it's just a little samba. This is just a little samba. With all the typical drama. Feel the rhythm of the conga. This is just a little samba. Get all the girls? No, you don't. I got my own sitcom. No, you don't. Huh? No, you don't. What? No, you don't. I star in the movies. No, you don't. I run my own label. No, you don't. Man, I only date models. No, you don't. Huh? No, you don't. Hey? No, you don't. Man, I got more property than Monopoly. No, you don't. Man, I drive a flying car. No, no, you don't. Man, I got two pet sharks. Your mom lets you have sharks in the house. Man, yeah, what? Come on, man. The song's over, man. Come on, you're not the friend. That was just a little samba by Ugly Duckling. 
So, we, Michael, <laughs> Joanna, we are now in Spain. <laughs> yes. So this is 2012 for you. This is 2012. Yes. Yeah. Oh, not that good with numbers. Um, <laughs> but I, one of the things I found when I started working in Spain was that I really did have the English way of working kind of ingrained mm. in me. Yeah. And, you know, you'd be sort of working away and, and someone come up and sort of talk to you. And I felt it really difficult to to di- sort of stop working and talk because I think, no, 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 mm. but we're working. I, I can't mm. talk. That's slacking off. Yeah. Or, oh, let's go grab a coffee. It's like, yeah, but yeah. the work. And I and it took me a while yeah. to, to do that without feeling sort of guilty. Or, and then I realized how much how much more I loved it. The fact that, you know, this interaction, this taking little bricks here and there, the, the talking with your colleagues on a different level. And actually sometimes when you went for coffee, you actually solved issues, work stuff. That, yes. And it it just made the whole thing. I, I changed my way of working and I much prefer it. And in my own work now, that's the way I do things. But I, it was difficult at the beginning. I was like, but, but I must stay at my desk. I can't, yes. I can't talk to anyone else. Yes. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously the the working day in in Spain is is longer mm-hmm. than the UK, right? So that you don't have the same pressure to be as productive, and you have a bit more time, you know, in the morning to have a coffee or have a longer lunch, and a bit longer in the evening. But um, I mean, I found when we were working together at the magazine that there were times when we were that everyone was working really hard throughout the day mm-hmm. because we'd have a deadline in yeah, terms of non-stop. having to fill, you know, fill adverts, fill copy for you and everything else. Um, and that, that pressure, and that, that's one of the things I think I miss about working there is that, that pressure where you have to deliver in such a short mm-hmm. time frame, And then you put this magazine out and it's there for the world to see, you know, that was, that was cool. That was cool. Well, I have to say one of one thing when I was a lawyer, I used to find that we'd finish a case and, uh, and, uh, and anticlimax, nothing it, to show. Yeah, nothing to show. And suddenly yeah. it would be the next one. And yeah, I, yeah. I specifically remember the day I was like, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to make the leap to what I really love doing. And we just finished this massive case and we'd won it. And it was it was really big reinsurance case. I know that sounds very interesting, but it was. <laughs> and uh, I remember walking back into the office and the partner opened this door and there were it was just a room full of these dusty boxes. And he went... That's your next one. And I oh, looked at no. it and I thought, no, yeah, no, it's not. No. Yeah. And what I used to love and what from all the magazines I've done, I used to love that moment when the magazine came into the office yeah. and I'd be like, oh. and you smell, you smell <laughs> it fre- yeah. fresh off the press. And you open yeah, it up. And, but yeah. then the thing is I never read it because I didn't want to find any errors. Cause I know mm. my eye is trained to just look for yeah. errors, but it was just getting that and then seeing it and saying, I made this, yeah. and I think that that's something that that I need in 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 work is to yeah. to have a tangible kind of I made this or I helped someone. You know, I, yes. I just say now that a client you you heard her on the show before, and uh, I want to put another shout out to her, Vicky in Australia. Now, you know, I've, I've done some words uh, working with with Vicky, and uh, Vicky had two things published in the paper, and from that she's getting clients, and I couldn't be prouder and i love the fact that we did that together yeah it's really cool and i mean it's you know it's all about her but i helped and and you know it it just that's the kind of thing that makes me feel alive Mm. no it's important it's important because you 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 know that you've made a difference for 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 someone for a client and you know in in terms of we're talking about the magazine it's you know it is it is a way of 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 putting your art artistic stamp on the world and those 
issues will be there for, forever. There's always something you can you can look back on. Leaving our mark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Well, the thing is, I I then went from from Madrid to Barcelona. You did, and I you went did. to uh, shout out. Oh, we're doing shout outs today. Shout out to Russo Costa Suran, amazing firm, and to Ignasi Costas, a man who. Who really believed in me? Yeah. <laughs> We're not done yet, Mr. Costas. And uh, <laughs> I never said, Mr. Costas, what is this? What is this? <laughs> I'm getting on British now. <laughs> but I moved here and uh, you moved to my town, I know. Lisbon. It was so random, wasn't it? It was so random. And um, yeah, it wasn't even, wasn't even on my radar, but it was just sort of one of those things um, that was fate, I guess. Uh, you know, for those that for those that don't know Iberian Lawyer, and um, you know, shame on you if you don't know it, but <laughs> it's a legal magazine that covers Spain and Portugal. So I would often travel to Lisbon to meet with we would, Portuguese yeah. law firms, and we yeah. you know we would as well together. And um, yeah, just on one of those trips, um, one of the um, law firms Miranda and Socials, so shout out to them. Shout out. <laughs> yeah, um, how many uh, shout outs? Decided, it, you know, decided in their infinite wisdom to to hire me as their business development manager. And to be fair to them, I think they took a risk because I hadn't worked for a law firm before. You didn't I'm not, speak not Portuguese. A lawyer. I didn't mm-hmm. speak Portuguese. I was a good salesperson. I think that was what, one of the things that attracted them. them. But they took they took a risk. Uh, thankfully, I think it paid off paid off well because I was there for three years, and it was an amazing uh, experience. But yeah, it's it's incredible, isn't it? How you you know these things can can change. I mean, I I moved to Madrid thinking I would stay there forever mm-hmm. um, because my family there was with with Roxy, with Roxy yeah. um, and we were only there for nine months, uh, well, th- and then moved <laughs> to Lisbon. I think so, it's uh, funny because you you said to me earlier you said when because I remember when you moved to Lisbon, I was like. Guys, you could, should have moved here to Barcelona with me. And you said to me, "What about moving to Lisbon?" And I went, "Nah." Yeah, I know. We were talking about that earlier, weren't we, before we came on air? And uh, look, look at you now. <laughs> but what's also funny is that you know, and this is you know the way sort of life, the life of the expat as well. I think mm. what we were saying at the beginning that we were both looking for where we sort of fitted in a way. And mm. and I think I found that in Barcelona. Um, I've never actually lived in Lisbon, but it's somewhere that I always knew I would go to. Mm. But I just thought, you know, it would take. A little longer, but when opportunities come up, like now, yeah. you've got to take them. Yeah. But it was funny that, you know, we both moved to law firms. We yes. worked within them. And then pretty much at a similar time, yes. we both set up separately yes. our own It's true. Businesses. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think our websites came on. We hadn't even spoken about no. it individually. We hadn't asked each other anything about it. And then I think randomly both of our websites were announced <laughs> on LinkedIn around the same time. <laughs> And it was like, what is this? This is so odd. Um, but yeah, I guess it's a na- it's a natural progression that can happen um, because you you just feel like the time, you know. And you'd, you'd spoken about it to me in yeah. the past, and you'd worked freelance in London, so I think you'd already had a taste that you wanted to go back to that. Well, I think I think it was is 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 what we were saying is that you, you get to a certain age, or you realise that you know you you want to kind of put your stamp on your life, and and something where people say you know when you're younger and people say you know you want to leave a legacy or leave this. Yeah. It it. Actually, yeah, you do. You and and you want to say, "Hey, I made that. I've done this. I've helped here." Okay, you know. And I think that's something that um, that we can go into in a moment. But yes. I'm going to play your second song. Oh, fantastic! Move fantastic. on up by Curtis Mayfield. Now, why this one? Yeah, well, first of all, Curtis Mayfield. I mean, he is an absolute legend. He is such an interesting character. Um, grew up in a really uh, poor part of Chicago. Um, and um, is an amazing, amazing artist, um, inspired a lot of people like Jimi Hendrix, uh, Marvin Gaye. Um, and um, 
tragically, uh, in 1990, he suffered a really nasty accident um, performing at a concert in New York, and he was uh, some lighting fell on him, and he was paralysed from the weight uh, from the neck down. Wow! Um, didn't die until I think 99, and he suffered from diabetes and had quite a horrible death. But in 96, he released his last album, um, and he had to obviously couldn't play the guitar anymore. He had to sing it lying on his back. Uh, because it was the only way he could get uh, oxygen into his lungs. Wow. Um, and they had to um, record each verse separately because he didn't have the, the strength to, to sing all the way through. But he directed the entire album. Now, this song isn't from the album. I've chosen this song because it's the great... I think it's the greatest song ever written, actually. Okay. That's a bold statement. It only has, <laughs> it only has four chords. We're not going to hear the full version because it's eight, nearly nine minutes long. Um, but yeah, it's just great. I think it's a really uh, uplifting song. And again, one to remember when, you know, things aren't going so well, just to remember that it will all be all right in the end. Well, we're going to remember that and we're going to move on up with this next song from Curtis Mayfield. Just move on up toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time complication. Curtis Mayfield. Now, I won't cry. I was just looking at Gerard and saying, can I take the microphone with me? You better check my bag before I leave. (laughs) 
So yeah, I mean, this is sort of my yeah. my last closing. I, 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 since I'm leaving you guys, and I'm going to be leaving this fair city and this incredible radio station. Um, I thought I'd bring on one of the reasons why I'm leaving. <laughs> it sounds like I'm about to marry you. No. Um, we are we're a business marriage of sorts. Yes, yes. I yes. mean, business partners. Business, business partners, I yes. know. So I thought I'd do some breaking news on my own. So first of all, I'm moving to Lisbon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Second of all, I'm going to work. I'm, we're going to be working together. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited, excited too. Yeah, and I yeah. think, you know, that this, why I wanted to bring Michael on was, um, you know, to, We've talked about kind of growing up with very similar circumstances, mm. kind of expat lives, finding your your place. And it's funny that my place, and I've always said this, I, I remember, you know, even when I was living in London, and I used to say, I love London and I love, and I'm so English in so many ways, but then there's this other part of me, I said, I don't, oh, I don't feel like it's home. Mm. And I remember my mother saying, you know, Joanna, roots, your roots. And I'd say, I feel my roots are in Portugal. That's my granny, my cousins my and it's funny that i'm going back to my roots and and you found your way even though it's kind of the argentine through madrid you've actually yeah. found I'm, and, you, and your the, son is i know there. my son is portuguese your well son is, he'll be portuguese when i become portuguese um yeah and you, i'm the local who's going to be showing you around town that's how funny is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can show me around son <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we're just laughing because it's true actually yeah, well yeah. i got a lot better i think working with iberia and laura we used to go to lisbon and got to know and i have some great friends out there shout out to margarida yeah um and i think i don't know there's a there's one of those moments where you look at life and you see a sort of fork in the road and i love this city barcelona i know you do mm, too and yeah, i know i'm i'm gonna be back yes as long as yes. they let me in yes. <laughs> but i i'm gonna be back and i there is so much about this city that appeals, but I always felt that Barcelona and Lisbon are very similar. You know, the sea sound thing, yeah. the, 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 the people. Yes. Yes. It's, when you live by the sea, you, you're just more relaxed as a person, um, yeah. but also it's not like you're living uh, in a small town. So Barcelona and Lisbon are both huge cities with, you know, huge, uh, you know, things going on. So um, it's ju it just, I think that just the, the beach just takes the edge off life a little bit and the good weather as well. And that's really important. It's, it's sort of being able to see the horizon and yes. just being able to see the sky. And I think I remember um, now we're just reminiscing, but I remember when I used to come and visit Barcelona and uh, in Portugal, we say bon dia. Yep. And in Catalan, bon, bon dia. dia. Yep. So I didn't know this. So I walk into a shop and they go, bon dia. And I'm like, how do you know I'm Portuguese? Uh, and then they carried on speaking. I was like, oh, no, I didn't. Whoops. <laughs> what? And you and Catalan say adeu. And yeah. we say adeus. Adeus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, true. So, yeah. So this is going to be me saying adeus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all we've got time for, folks. And you won't. I've heard the last of me. Mm -hmm. I've got a podcast coming out in January. And anytime I'm in Barcelona, I'm going to be stopping by RKB, English Radio, and say hi to all the amazing people here. And I'll sure to be muscling my way in on someone. So, Virgin, you've been warned. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in here. <laughs> so I want to thank Michael for flying in today. Oh, it's an honor to be on your last show. Fantastic. I want to thank everyone at Radio Canal Barcelona. Virgil, Lola, Gerard, I'm going to miss looking at you. You're going to have to come to Portugal and we can just, I can just talk at you. <laughs> and I'm going to miss our coffees and conversations. So thank you for listening. Thank you for 
putting up with me. Well done for not crying as well, by the way. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. <laughs> but I am going to leave you with a song that I think says it all. Simple Minds and Don't You Forget About Me. Get up.